Hi, everybody. Welcome to Lost Floors Church. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor. And it's so good to be with you again this weekend. And we're going to be talking again about Christmas. And today we're going to look at the joy that the angels brought. It was good news and it was great joy for all people. And obviously to us today, that is great news <laughs> that, that Jesus brought good news for all people. He brought salvation for all people. But we're going to look today a little bit at the Jewish people of that time that did not feel like that was great news. They felt like the Messiah came for them. I, I'm going to start by reading to you from Matthew chapter 1, where Joseph changes his mind about marrying Mary. And so I'm going to get, begin in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 through 25. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And we're going to come back to that, but I want to focus, first of all, that he came to save his people from their sins and Emmanuel, that God came to be with us. Now, the political climate at the time that Jesus was born was at an all-time high for the Jewish people. You see, for years, they had been oppressed. <laughs> In fact, starting about 700 years before that, that's when the Assyrians came in, and they destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. A few hundred years later, the Babylonians came in, and they not only destroyed Israel, but they destroyed the first temple. Now, a few years later, a few hundred years later, they built another temple. Now, that temple was still standing when Jesus was on earth. But in about 60 AD, so about 30 years after Jesus died, that temple was destroyed because the Jewish people, they rebelled against the Romans. Uh, the Romans were just the last in a long line of people that had oppressed the Israelites or the Jewish people. And so they rebelled in 66 AD and fought well for a while, but eventually the Romans destroyed them and destroyed the temple or defeated them and destroyed the temple. And so you have this political climate where the Jewish people, they were looking for a Messiah. They had read in Isaiah that they had all heard the promise of a coming Savior. But their hope was that this Savior was coming to rescue them. I, I just read this week about people that are oppressed, and especially for generations of being oppressed. They see their oppressors as the enemy, which makes sense. So the Jewish people, they saw the Romans as their enemy. And if you are oppressed by somebody, they are the sinful ones. 
You are the innocent one. They are the sinful ones. And that makes perfect sense. And so the Jewish people saw themselves as needing saved from their enemy. Now, they didn't think that they needed to be saved because of anything they had done. They needed saved because of what their oppressors had done. And so when you go to what the angel tells Joseph, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, that didn't quite sit so well with some of the Jewish people. They all knew about the Messiah, and they knew the Messiah was coming to save them. But I just want us to imagine very quickly if if a foreign country, God forbid, would come into the United States and and overtake the United States government. And all of a sudden we've got these this foreign government that's running our lives, that has the ability to take our businesses, to change our religion, tell us when we can meet and how we can meet, and, and all these things, we lose our freedom. Well, we're going to look at that, at this foreign government that's come in and, and done this to us as the sinful people, the wrong people. We are not going to think very highly of whoever this foreign country was that came in and is doing this to us, oppressing us. So imagine yourself in that situation for the Jewish people, and you're hoping for this Savior that will come and save you or rescue you from your enemy. And this Savior comes, and he comes for you and your enemy. He comes to save all people. But it's not in the way you thought he was coming. You thought he was going to come and rescue you from your earthly troubles. Instead, he came to save you for eternity. And he offers the same thing to your enemy. You can see where there's an angst here for the Jewish people. Why, as Jesus was on earth, the Jewish people weren't super excited about him being their savior. Because they were looking for someone to rescue them, to save them from their earthly situation. And now they have someone coming that's saying they're the Savior. And he's come not to save you from your enemies, but to save you and your enemies. There's a place in Luke chapter 13, and I just want to read it to you. This is what it says. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? Not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. So what happened here is there's some Galileans that were worshiping. And while they're making their sacrifice to God, Pilate has some troops come in and kill them. And, and so this whole group of Galileans is murdered while they're in their church worshiping. I mean, you imagine today if some terrorists came in and shot down the pastor in a, in a church full of people while they are worshiping. I mean, it is a, that's a horrible thing. And, and here these people are saying it like, look at this. Look how oppressed we are. And they were oppressed. There's no denying this. And, and, but Jesus responds in this surprising way. Now, well, first of all, these people would have thought the Galileans that were murdered 
were bad also. Because if something bad happened to you, you obviously deserved that punishment for some reason. Then also the people doing the killing, they were bad also. But the thing is, is the people telling the story, they don't see that they are bad. They're telling Jesus, trying to get the answer they want from him. And so you've got this situation where these people are testy. <laughs> They're saying, look what happened. We are so oppressed. If you're the savior, you should be doing something about this. Instead, Jesus responds, do you think that you are better than them? That's his response. Do you think you're better? Because you're not. And in all reality, you also need to repent. Just like the people that murdered them, just like the people that got murdered, you need to repent and turn to God. This would have made them furious. <laughs> so often when I think of the word repent or repentance, I picture this angry God and this woeful, sinful person who's head is bowed in shame, which obviously there's some truth to that picture, but the word repent, the Greek word that we translate into repent is metanoia. And metanoia actually means a change of mind. Now, that doesn't sound very dramatic or whatever, but when I first heard that, I thought, well, that's different. That's different than what I always thought of repentance, a change of of mind. It's actually broken down into two words. Meta means beyond or outside. And, and noia is actually the mind. It's the understanding that we have or the mind that we have. And so it's using our minds beyond our normal way of thinking. Using our minds beyond our normal way of thinking. So, so if we're going to repent, we're going to change the way we think. Does that make sense? So it implies that we've been using our minds incorrectly. And so we've been thinking wrong. And so when Jesus is saying that you need to repent, he's telling you that you need to think differently about the things that you are saying and doing. You need to think differently. So just think about someone that's an alcoholic. They struggle with alcohol and it's it's impacted their life in a very negative way way. And so in their lives, alcohol is this central thing and everything rotates around having this drink, which then throws them into this terrible place. And so for them to repent from alcohol is not to, oh, I'm so sorry. It's to change their thinking, to, to replace their, their, their desire for alcohol with something else. For us to repent as Jesus is talking about her, we need to change the way we think. Now, if you go to Matthew chapter five, there's a whole bunch of verses there in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus talks about all different subjects. And he says, you used to think this way, but I say this. Do you hear that? You used to think this, or you used to believe this, and now I say this. In other words, Jesus is saying, you need to change the way you think. Now, one of the things he says there is right on the topic that we're talking about. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44. And he says, you've heard that the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
You see, the old way of thinking was rooted in their mind, and it is in ours also. It, but Jesus is bringing this to light. He's saying, you always believed that you should love your friends, the ones that love you, but hate your enemies. And that's not what I'm saying. You should love your enemies and even pray for those that are persecuting you. He's talking about the Romans. He's talking about the last hundreds of years of all of these people that have persecuted them. And Jesus is saying, you actually need to change the way you think. And you need to love your enemies. You can see why Jesus made them angry. You see, the Jews had hoped and prayed for the Messiah to come. The focus of this Savior was a very political focus. They wanted earthly freedom from their oppressors. They didn't think they needed a Savior from their own sins. And basically, Jesus comes as both. He comes to set them free, not necessarily in an earthly way, but in a spiritual way, to set them free from their own sins. What does the angel say to Joseph? She will give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. His people are the Jewish people. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. See, to us, this makes perfect sense. For 2,000 years from the event, we, we've heard all the things we saw. The, we, we see what Isaiah said. We see what happened with Jesus on earth. We see how he fulfill, fulfilled all these prophecies. We see that he was the Savior. But if you're right there in the midst of it, and all your life you thought this was what the Savior was going to look like, and then here comes Jesus. And just imagine being a neighbor of Jesus. You would have heard the rumors that Mary was the one that had the Savior, that she was the virgin birth, that she was this, all that was there. You remember people pointed to them. They knew who they were. But as you're watching them, you're watching Jesus, you're most likely thinking he can't save us. He's not a warrior. He wasn't a fighter. He can't, he's not even a king. He's never gonna be a king. And plus, he's too darn nice. He seems to love everybody, even people that aren't Jewish. This guy can't save us. You can see when Jesus goes into his hometown church and declares that he's the Messiah, they about killed him then because they didn't want a Savior like Jesus. They had picture in their mind, this was the Savior. And now here's Jesus. See, Jesus did not come to change our earthly situation. He came to change our eternal situation. God came to be with us, this idea of Emmanuel. He, he came to be like us, to live among us, to show us the way, to show us the truth. And I go back again to what the angels said. And I go back again to what the angels said. The angels said, do not be afraid, shepherds. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. The Savior had been born. The Messiah had come. 
And most of them missed it because they could not change the way they thought. They couldn't grasp that their Savior was there to love them and love their enemies. That their Savior was there to save them so that they could be with him forever in eternity. They had trouble changing the way they thought. I, I just read a story this week about Viktor Frankl. And Viktor Frankl was a Jewish person, and he was put into Nazi concentration camps in the 40s. And what's interesting about him is that he went in with his family. And he's the only one of his family that survived. And he lived all the way to 1998. And he was a psychologist. And he wrote these books on, on basically how to change your mind. How to change your thinking by basically post focusing on positive things. But I love a quote that he had. He said, when you are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. And to me, I look at that and I go, that's the Jewish people then. And honestly, it's us now. We always want our situation changed, right? We always want something changed. But in all reality, Jesus came not to change our situation, but to change who we were. To view that we, these aren't our enemies. We're supposed to actually love our enemies. That's a pretty big challenge for all of us. Victor Frankl, when he was in these concentration camps, he was in four different ones over three years. He, he literally spent his time encouraging the other inmates, trying to keep them from getting down, to keep them positive, to keep them thinking about all the good things they have in life. He wasn't changing their situation. He was changing their minds. In all reality, that's what we need so often. Oh, it'd be nice if Jesus would change our situation. <laughs> but in reality, what we really need is to change our minds, to change the way we think. And maybe this Christmas season is when we do that. As Jesus came to give us hope, to give us joy, to give us peace, and to fill us with love. Maybe we need to change our thinking and let hope, joy, peace, and love flood our minds and flood our thinking. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you came. And Lord, I am so thankful that you weren't just a conquering hero, but you were the savior of our souls that you are the ones that helped us change the way we think. Thank you for loving us that much. And we pray this in your name. Amen.